Oh, the land of an unclouded sky. 
on the throne that is white and snow in the city that is made of gold and all the land of cloudless day all the land of an unclouded sky oh they tell me of a home where the storm clouds rise oh they tell me of an smiles on his children and his smile drives their sorrows all away and they tell me that no tears ever come again in that lovely land of unclouded day and all the land of cloudless days all the land of an unclouded sky they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of a non-clouded day. Aren't you glad about that church? Amen.
the ushers if they'll come we want to give you a chance to give man I'm going to ask the youngest of our servants up here to pray look across who is that Austin <laughs> that's you buddy yes yes 
Amen. This is uh, this is the best part and the worst part of the service for me. It's the best part because the kids' ministry gets to get up and get out of here because they get they get special ministry. It's the worst part because folks are leaving and I don't get to preach to them. So if you will, let's give our kids' ministries a hand, our children's ministry. excited about the day Tommy came and joined us a while back and just spent some time with our, our our sound and media and just invested in them and I said man would you come back and preach on a Sunday maybe a couple of services and and um, I'll just tell y'all a little history for me and Tommy Tommy and I've been friends for like 29 years I guess in ministry and he's uh, he he had the privilege of serving in several places even uh, did a church plant and they did a great job with the church plant and the work that they did there but he came back around and he, he came back sort of came back home and to a little degree back into Birmingham and never really wanting to leave I think the area because of family and all but the Lord worked it out where they've been close and been doing ministry and um, they are serving as executive pastor right now at Jerry Wood Assembly of God um, so he's multi-talented he don't, he can't, he, you're going to find out he can do more than sing today okay he can preach I'm worried though he said God gave him another message this morning so he's got like so many in his gun right now I'm nervous <laughs> Lori said good luck that's all she told me but uh, we're excited about the day to have Tommy and Lori with us and he serves I'll mention this he serves as a member of the sectional committee he is like the guy that's helping make everything happen for a lot of the churches in the Birmingham section and uh, it's an honor to serve with him in that uh, on that committee and in that role and I just know that they're bringing something really exciting to us. As Lori and Tommy come, can you give them a hand? How's everybody doing? Well, ask somebody around you how they're doing. Okay, are they doing all right? We're going to sing a song. Is that all right? We're so honored to be here. We love David and Debbie Wooten. We really do. And uh, yeah. Listen, whenever I found out that they were going to be here, I was excited for them. But I'm most excited for you. I'm telling you, I know it's in the heart of this man and woman, and I'm telling you, God's got great things in store for this church. I, he really does. It's very strategic. The season is just right that he's doing what he's done. You've got great history. My Lord, Brother Larry, it's so wonderful to see you and your family here. And it's just great to see people here that I, I do recognize a little bit. I may not call your name, but I do recognize a couple of you. And so we're just glad to be in service with you today. We're going to have a good time, all right? Is that all right? I'm encouraged anytime, anytime during worship, 
that I see a drummer getting blessed, there's hope. Understand? God bless you, brother. What that tells me is I can still keep the beat, but I can still praise Jesus. So you see, it's more than just singing a song. It's more than just doing my little performance. If I'm going to step up here, if I'm going to step in this place, I need to give him my all. Amen? I need to worship him. That was a blessing to me. I love to see. I watch musicians like a hawk. I really do. Sorry, I was watching y'all like a hawk. But I do that because we've been doing this so long. But I got to tell you, it's so wonderful to see musicians who love to worship the Lord with the gift that God's given them. This is my wife, Lori. Ain't she pretty? Oh, man, I did good, didn't I? Thank you, Jesus, I did good. We're so, so happy to be here, and, and God has blessed us so much. We just want to share this song with you. I believe you'll know it, but let's sing it together. All right, here we go. Hey! 
saints and the elders in glorious song when the praises they sing never seem to get old and I'll stay here forever singing holy holy this is true. I want you to act like this is true. The veil is torn. How many of you believe that with all of your heart? Come on, the veil is torn. There's nothing keeping you back but yourself. The veil is torn. The doors swing wide. It's glory as I run inside the throne. Before you, I bow. Oh, the veil is torn in the 
forth our board everybody if you're a teacher if you're a leader of any ministry I want you to come and join pastor right down here down front come on quickly quickly come on quickly 
Now, I'm going to be doing a, giving you an assignment for right now. We're going to just take time. Listen, this just means I'll preach shorter. It's okay. Uh, here's what's odd about this. Usually you want people to be in this sanctuary. But I'm going to ask you as leaders, I want you just, some of you just to walk around this sanctuary right now as we sing this again. My God, I feel this. Walk around this sanctuary. Some of you need to walk out in the hall. Listen, this is a different kind of day. I don't know what God's doing. Let's just let him do it, all right? I want you to walk out in the hall. Somebody needs to walk back where the kids are. Walk by their door. Just lay hands on that door. And I want you to pray that the glory of God would fill this house. Fill this campus. Fill this property. In the name of Jesus. I just want you to do that. We're just going to take a couple of minutes and do this. I don't care who it is walks out there. Somebody needs to do it. Somebody get out in the hallway. You may see a new guest come in. You never know. And they'll wonder what you're doing. That's all right. You just keep singing this song. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. Just you. this morning, am I enough for you? I'm asking my people, am I enough for you? I love that you love what I've done for you. But am I enough for you every day, every hour, every minute, every second of your day? Am I enough? Am I enough for you? Only you can answer that question for yourself. Only you can answer that question. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I say you're enough. You're enough, Lord. Just you. Just you, Jesus. Just you, Lord. 
take all my preconceived ideas, God. Take everything I think things should be. Everything I think they should be this way and that way. God, take it all. Let me just have you. Let me have you, Jesus. I want your glory in my life. I want your glory in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, sing it to him. When your glory's in the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory's in the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory's in the room, nothing else is needed. Just you. Oh, God, how many things have we put before you? How many things have we allowed to come in and struggle, cause us struggle and worry and anxiety? How many things have distracted us from who you are and what you have done? Jesus, give us our focus back. Give us our focus back today. That it's you and only you, Jesus. You and only you. When your glory fills the room, Nothing else is needed when your glory fills the room. Nothing else is needed when your glory fills the room. Nothing else is needed, just you. Lord, I praise you. I want you just right now, just join me and let's just pray. Just the sweet presence of the Lord in this house. I feel like I'm supposed to say some of you have been wondering what's wrong. As a matter of fact, there's been a distance lately in your walk with God. You wonder why you don't feel like your prayers are being answered. Here's a surefire test. You're listening to worship in the car and it doesn't move you anymore. It's not affecting you anymore. Something's wrong. You're absolutely right. That means you've lost sight of Him. I know what God put in my heart for this day. And that is that he's going to be the focus of this day. He's going to help us get a new, fresh look at him. And he's going to lift us out of all this stuff that's been pressing in. Some of you with marriages, relationships, whatever you're carrying. I just wish something would change. You're waiting for things to change. Some of you are saying, I need peace in my life, peace in my life. Listen, peace in your life is not about the absence of a problem. Peace in your life is about the presence of a person. The presence of a person in your life. And I'm just telling you today is about reconnecting with that person. The person of Him. The Holy Spirit Himself. Just reconnect with Him. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. There's <laughs> uh, a good atmosphere in here. When we see the word glory in scripture, glory means reveal. So we're saying, Lord, when your glory, when who you are is revealed in this place, nothing else matters, just him. How do I know that? When they did what they were supposed to do, Solomon had set it up. The worship was absolutely in order. The singers were in place. The musicians were in place. And they, the priests were doing what they were supposed to do. 
the Bible says that as they begin to worship the Lord, worship the Lord, pour their heart out to Him, and they're offering sacrifices, that the glory, the glory of the Lord filled the place where the priest couldn't even minister. Now, I would dare to say that every person in this room that knows anything about God, if I were to ask you, is that what you want? You would say, yes, yes. Well, then we need to be in order. We need to do what he says do. We need to respond to his goodness. We need to say, yes, Jesus is here, and we want to make sure he knows that he is our focus in this place. Hallelujah. Oh, I'll say hallelujah for you. Come on. When the glory's in the room. Come on, one more time. Nothing else is needed. When the glory's in the room. Nothing else is needed. When your glory's in the room. Nothing else is needed. Just you. When your glory's in the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory's in the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory's in the room, nothing else is needed. Just you. Oh, can we give him praise? Come on, can you really give him praise this morning? praise you now lift your hands with me please everywhere all over this place and with your own instrument your own voice I want you to tell him how wonderful he is I want you to tell him he's good I want you to tell him he's wonderful he's powerful he's worthy I don't hear you come on lift your voice to him lift your voice to him oh God we praise you God we praise you we praise you praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. You're worthy of all praise. I pray you take us to a place where we can't praise you enough. How many of you know how that feels? I can't praise him enough. 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 God, take us to that place again where we just can't praise you enough. We can't worship you enough. I'll sing it I'll shout it, I'll praise it, I'll talk it, I'll give it everything to you, Lord God. Oh, God, I feel you in this house. Oh, God, I love you. I love you, Lord. Well, you can be seated if you want to. I don't know how it feels out there. It feels pretty good up here. I want to live close to God. I pray I live so close to God. Now, I don't know if I'll be like Enoch. He might just take me. Well, maybe I'm not that holy. But anyway, he just took Enoch. Enoch was so full, he just went. I say we get so full, we just go. Just move in him. Y'all listen to me. I'm so honored to be here. Oh, I got so much on my mind. So much in my heart to share with you. And I'm not going to wear you out. But one thing I want to tell you, we're going to spend a little time with the worship team. You need to be praised for this worship team all the time. And by all means, I'm going to help the worship team. I'm Barry, I'm going to help. Where are you? There you are. I'm going to help you, Barry. 
Don't you dare come to this place and expect them to do something for you that you're not yet doing yourself. Now, I'm going to work for them today. We're going to tweak a few things. But what I saw this morning is I sense God's presence in this house. That's number one. When you guys were singing, come to the river, oh, my goodness, you may need that at the end. I don't know. Because i got to tell you something. Worship will lead us to a place to where we, what we do with God in the secret places, we, we put our roots down. And the more we are with Him, the more we're, our roots get deeper, right? We go deeper and deeper and deeper. That means we get stronger. That's called maturity. The more we're with Him, the more we pursue Him, the more we love His Word, allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate His Word in us, the deeper our roots go. Many rivers are not seen. Hear me. We like the rivers and we see the rivers and we know they're flowing. And we know in heaven, we know there's a river there. It's crystal clear. We're all looking forward to that. Let me tell you about a river that's so subterranean and it's so deep. You know what I'm talking about? You've heard of these places where there's bedrock and there's a lot of land above it. But the more you dig, the deeper you go. The deeper you go, all of a sudden, you hit water. And that river is just flowing under there. That is what God wants us to dig into. That's where He wants us to go. There are deep things. There's stuff. There's life. Deep, deep. The roots go deep. And the deeper they go, the stronger we are. I do believe. I was thinking about that even as you guys were singing the song. Oh, God, I just want to go deeper in you so that my roots are are so strong in you. And they're nourished by the life-giving water that never, ever runs dry. That's where God wants us to go with Him. That's where He wants us to go. And it's up to us to say yes. It's up to us to make the choices every day to go there. And you know what? You can. I just finished. Matter of fact, I like one lesson. I have a small group that meets online. That we started back in the first of last year. Of course, we didn't know we were going into a pandemic at the time, but I'd already started this group, and so I just kept it online. I've got about 21 people that are on this online group. <clears throat> and so I began to teach about the presence of God. And then I began to, went from that, the practice of the presence of God, to teaching on the secrets of the secret place. Now, I'm not preaching that today, but I'm so loaded with thought concerning that because... The more we spend time in the secret place with God, the more strength comes our way. That's why we go and dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, under the shadow of the Almighty. God is calling us to Himself. Let me say this before I get in. You can go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. We're going to go there and I'll, 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 uh, I'll not keep you till 2, okay? But I'm gonna, I, I got a lot to say and I'm going to say it fast, so listen to me fast. I know today's Pentecost Sunday, and tonight we may talk about that a little bit more. But the Lord gave me this message, and this is the first time I've shared it. I, so we'll see where it goes, okay? But just a few days ago, I was reading this scripture, and just some things leaped out. Isn't it wonderful that the Holy Spirit does that with the Word? But see, listen to me, look at me, let me smile while I'm saying this. The Word will never speak to you unless you read it. you got to get in it. Many of us are depending on the Holy Spirit to teach us and talk to us about what Grandma said, what Grandpa said, what Pastor said, what the teacher said. But He wants you to know what He said. And if you get in this Word, He will come and He will confirm that Word in your life. 
He will illuminate that word in your life. It'll change you. That's what you do when you go to a place. Well, I've been learning some things. We are now, this coming uh, week, Wednesday evening, I will do my last video of this series, and it's 52 chapters in one book. So I got sick of watching me too. You can imagine. That's a lot of videos. So I've done a ton of videos teaching about the secret place. And I thought, how much can you find out every time I teach? It's like peeling an onion. God just showed me a little bit more of how he wants me to enjoy his presence. And I do believe that the greatest need we have as a church, I'm speaking to the church right here, Mount Olive, Evangel Assembly, the greatest need you have is to enjoy his presence. Enjoy his presence. Be with him. Know him. Listen to him. Follow him. Do what he says do. And if you will commit yourself to that, I'm telling you, you won't come in here needing a song to churn you up. Sundays were never meant to be a day for you to come in here and all of a sudden decide what you're going to do next week. Sundays are a day of celebration for what has happened in your life. How many of you, God's done some wonderful things in your life this week? Anybody got a hand to raise? There's three, four, five, six. Okay. God's done some stuff in you. That's why we come together to celebrate. Now, go to John 8, and I'm going to see if I can make it through this. I got just a few minutes. I'm going to say, I, 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 I want to say how much I love David Lee. Um, I love working with him. So respected in his district, our church here. He was a great leader of our churches in Birmingham. And I, I, I love the fact that I'm an assistant, and then uh, Brother Tim... Uh, over in over at uh, Life Church, he's he's the secretary treasurer. Well, I'm in between, so I get to be the person. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just do that right there. I'm that guy. Okay. They get to make all the decisions. I'm, oh, great idea. Yeah, I just. Uh, and then he says to me, "I've been thinking about setting aside." I say, "I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You ain't going nowhere. Don't you do anything like that." But we are honored that he is our leader, and he's a good one. I think you better be careful what you say to him. He don't forget stuff. We'll sit in, listen, I'm going to tell you this real quick. We'll sit in meetings and I'll, I'll be writing stuff down, trying to make notes of stuff in my phone. I'm doing all this kind of stuff. He's over there just listening. Then he'll send us a detailed report of everything been said. And I'm like, how in the world do you remember? So some of you may think he don't remember something you said, but he does. I'll prove it to you because in just about three weeks, he'll preach about you. Okay? He's got a great memory. So be careful, be careful. John chapter 8. I know today's Pentecost Sunday, and as I say, I may focus on that a little bit this evening, but we're just honored to be here. Now, Lori won't get to join me tonight because uh, she goes clubbing on Sunday. I'm just kidding. No, she don't. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. No, she does not. Not without me. I'm just kidding. No, but, but she, we have another obligation this afternoon after we finish with the team, then I'll come back over here. And so uh, I'll go be there for just a little bit, and then I'll come back. John chapter 8, let's read this together. I'm going to talk to you just a short few minutes about only Jesus. It's interesting. That's the message the Lord gave me. And our focus seems to be on him. John chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. 
And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in, in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they may have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger and though he did not, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And then he stooped down again and wrote on the ground. And those that heard it, being convicted by their conscience. You see that? Being convicted by their own conscience. They went out. One by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those who accuse you? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Father, I want to thank you for your word today. I ask, I ask that you help me to be clear. Help me to speak freely. But Lord, help me speak everything in love. Anoint me to do it and let ears hear this and let lives be changed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now I'm going to go through just the first parts of it because I want to focus on the latter part. Okay? So uh, if, if I'm not a note reader, but if you'll allow me to just a moment, I do know what I'm preaching. But I'm going to I'm gonna read a couple of things to you. Is that all right? So I'm going to read a couple of things, and I'll, I'll move through this part quickly because there's, if I stop, I'm going to get stuck. So I'm going to move on because I want to get to the real meat of why I'm here today. They brought the woman to him who was caught in adultery and because they wanted to make her sin as public as possible. See, they brought him both to embarrass her, but also, we know, to catch Jesus. Now, the woman was caught in the act of adultery. I want you to just imagine. It says, in the very act of adultery. I'm not telling you to imagine much, but you understand what I'm saying. Got caught in the very act. Now, the religious leaders brought the woman to Jesus, shame-filled, humiliating circumstances. She was held against her will, prisoner under the custody of religious police who caught her and involved her uh, caught her in what she was involved in, but left the man alone. Now see, already they're breaking their own law. The, the, the law they're saying that is being broken, they're already breaking the law anyway because they didn't bring the man. That's a whole other thought entirely. To mention the obvious, uh, the man is not, they did not bring the man who was also involved in the very act, yet the guilty man was never brought before Jesus for judgment. It also tells us that there were prearranged spies who were watching for this to happen somehow. Now, there's something I learned about this that really opened my eyes, legally speaking. In order for there to be a literal stoning to death, they could not just see this couple leave the same house together, or one of them leave, you know, they couldn't just see them outside. They couldn't just know, and here's another thing, they couldn't just know that they had been in the same bedroom. They had to be caught in the very act. For it to be a, <clears throat> for it to be a legal stoning, they had to be caught in the very act. I mean, it was serious stuff. You've got to be able to prove this. So, 
Here's what they did. They brought her to try to set a trap for Jesus. And if Jesus would have said, let her go, then he would have been breaking the law of Moses. And if he said, execute her, then he would just seem harsh and perhaps cruel. But here's what he did. Jesus ignored her accusers. You need to remember that. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Jesus ignored her accusers. So when there's an accuser against you, what does he do? Say it again. Say it louder. He, he, he ignores them. All right? Jesus ignored the accusers as if he'd never heard them. Then they said, testing him. The wretched men as they were were using this woman as a weapon, as a weapon to try to catch Jesus and try to get him to where he would break the law. And here's what Jesus did. He actually turned it and passed sentence on them. Here's what he said. If you have not sinned, then you be the one to throw the first stone. By law, that's what was supposed to happen. Whoever witnessed that sin and that law broken was the one who threw the first stone. Now, we don't know which one of them it was. But all I know is that according to what was supposed to happen, he's saying, okay, which one of you saw her? Which one of you caught her? Then you grab up a stone, and if there's no sin in your life, you be the first to throw. <clears throat> well, is it any wonder that they begin to turn? And it says from the oldest on to the youngest, they begin to walk away. They begin to walk away. He that is without sin among you, let him throw the stone at her first. This is Jewish law. I mean, you caught her. You saw her. You be a man. You stand up and say, I saw her do it. And you rear back and you let her rip. Let that stone go. You're the first thrower. But yet, from the oldest to the youngest, they walked away. It's, the scripture says their conscience. They responded to their conscience. They couldn't stand there and continue in the process because of their conscience. And so they respond by leaving. Now, here's what's happening as they leave. They're more aware of their own sin than they are the sin of the woman. I want to tell you something about the accuser of your life. He already knows his end. Satan already knows his end. And if he can get you to pay attention to what he's accusing you of, then he can trap you. But he already knows his end. This is a good picture of that because the woman is standing there. By the way, uh, it specifically says she was standing in the midst. You've seen pictures maybe of, of where somebody uh, drew that she was thrown down in front of them. Well, the scripture says she was standing. Ever what she was doing, she was positioned there. And the reason believed that she was standing was so that she would have to stand there in her pure shame so everybody could see how shameful she was, how sinful she was. And so here's the thing I want to say to you today, because really this is the message of today, of this service this morning. The woman standing in the midst, and here at verse 10, it says that when Jesus, you know, he, he wrote, he got down and wrote, right? Remember that part? I'm not spending a lot of time there because a, a lot of speculation on what he wrote. We know that. You can say, well, he wrote the names of the people. Maybe so. He wrote down what the sins were. Maybe so. I don't know. 
Jeremiah 17. They will write their, their, those, those who are evil, and their names are written in sand. Maybe he was writing their evil. I don't know what he was doing. We do not know what he was writing. Good, good messages on that. But I don't have one of those today. Okay, I don't know what he wrote. All I know is he went down and he wrote. Then he said, let you who has no sin cast the first stone. And then he went back down and began to write again. Now they walk away, and then Jesus stands up. And here's where I want to share the message with you today. It says that when Jesus raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman. Why is that important? Because of regardless where you are this morning, you have his undivided attention. I'm preaching today about only Jesus. Our focus has got to be Jesus. But I want you to understand something. Regardless of where you are in God, whatever you've done this week, whatever sin you may be dealing with, whatever pressure, anxiety you may be dealing with, you must understand you have his undivided attention. God, who knows everything, he knows everything and sees everything. He also has the ability to keep attention on you. Keep attention on you. Keep attention on you. That's why he says, you can cast your care on me because I care for you. You're pretty important to him. I said you're pretty important to him. You're pretty important to him. So you have his undivided attention. Then he asked a woman, where, I love this version because it says, where are these accusers of yours? You came here with nothing but accusations surrounding you. Where are these accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Where are those who want to condemn you? Where are those that want to embarrass you? Where are those who want to put you on display? Oh, my God, is a failure. Where are these men? Where are they? They see you as nasty. See, that's what the accuser does. Do you, do you know God knows what you did? And you go in there praising him, talking about when the glory fills the room, nothing else matters. You know what you did this week, and that's what the accuser does. If he can only get us to listen. But she had his undivided attention. And so he says to her, where are your accusers? Those who see you out of control, weak, compromised, uncommitted, unfaithful, just a royal mess up. Where are those people now? You have, she has his undivided attention. He's simply asking a question, where are they? And then this verse is what brought about this whole message. I was sitting in my office, and I was reading and doing some Bible study, and I just saw this verse, and it just leaped off. You know how that happens? It just leaps off the page. I pray there's a whole lot of leaping going on in your life. But it just leaped off the page at me, and here's what she said. She looked around, and she said, I see no one. I see no one. Now listen, if you'll allow me to take a little bit of license here, I'll put it in Tommy's vernacular. Is that all right? I'm going to tighten up my suit, coat, and make it look like a preacher so I can really say this. Here's what I'm telling you. She's saying, I see no one but you. I see no one but I had to unbutton my coat because I'm a little bit overweight. Anyway, but, but you understand what I'm saying? I'm sorry, but I don't want to embarrass you. But I, I'm about to bust this button up here. Listen to me. He stands up and sees nobody but her. She looks around. 
See, it's nobody but him. The accusers are gone. The accusers are gone. Somebody in this room needs this message this morning because you've been seeing your accusers more than you've been seeing Jesus. You've been paying more attention to the accusers than you have what Jesus says about you. And this is so powerful because whenever he looks at her, he says, you see no one there accusing you? I don't accuse you either. Did you know that some writings leave this story out because they misinterpret that Jesus was condoning her act? That's foolish. Of course he wasn't condoning her act. But she knew what she was. How much more could she be beat down than she already was? Listen, what if God were to, or what if someone was to bring you before this church? God help us. Because they caught you doing something. And it's all spelled out in front of everybody. How would you like that? Pretty shameful, huh? Yeah, that'll make you pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. I mean, you'd be praying real quick. God, please forgive me. Well, let me tell you, she is absolutely exposed. But he sees her exposed. The beauty is that she sees him available at that moment to touch her life. And here's what happened. When she said, no one, Lord, Lord, that's very important. It literally means Yahweh. She recognized who he was. Uh, listen now. She recognized who he was. She said, no one, Lord. And then when she looked at him, she looked into the, in the face of grace and forgiveness and heard grace and forgiveness say, neither do I condemn you. Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation in him. Listen to me. Jesus wasn't condoning her sin, but he was letting her know though she had failed, though she, though she had failed, she was not a failure. Though she was weak, he would be her strength. No condemnation meant that she would not, this is so good, she would not die in her sin. She would not die in her sin. And was being given a fresh start. Oh, she's being given a fresh start. Why? Because he saw her and she saw him. She gets up from there, she gets a fresh start. And he says, now go from here. Make better decisions. You got to think about your life. Go sin no more. Don't give yourself to this. Break it off. Stop it. No more of this. And that's what he said to her. Here's what I know. Is that Jesus is saying, neither do I condemn you. In a sense, he's saying, he's taking her guilt upon himself. Oh, my God. He's taking her guilt upon himself, especially since he stooped down to her level. Don't miss that. He stooped down to her level to say he alone is the one who is without sin among them and therefore the only one qualified to throw the stone. And he didn't throw it. The only one qualified to throw it and he didn't throw it. Oh God, I love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't throw stones at us. 
But you don't beat us down because we messed up. You don't condemn us because we mess up. The accuser loves the thrill. Loves the thrill of exercising the power to condemn. Jesus enjoyed that moment of exercising the thrill of forgiving. That's what he does for you and that's what he does in you. And I want to head toward a close with this. It'll take me about 45 minutes. Hang on. Okay. Here's what we're doing. We're modeling out. He is literally modeling out that there's no condemnation in him. John 3, 17, he did not come to the world to condemn the world, but he came to save it. So he's saying, go sin no more. Why didn't he condemn her? Because he didn't come to condemn. Jesus was going to take our sin, and even then, he was going to take that sin. He knew. Now, it was already done before the foundation of the world, but Jesus knew he's about to take that sin, which he is shameful for, to the cross. He's about to take it to the cross. And he is sinless himself, but he's going to think about that. He is taking on her sin. That's why he can say, I don't condemn you. I know what's ahead. I know what's already settled before the foundation of the world because he was slain before the foundation of the world. But I know what's ahead. And redemption is drawing nigh. I know exactly what's ahead. Listen, here we go. To sum it up is this. We all have an accuser. Satan longs to accuse us day and night. But here's what I want you to understand, and please remember this today. His accusations mean nothing because Jesus has already paid the penalty that our sins deserve. Not just paid for our sins, he paid the penalty that our sins deserve. The scripture says, Revelation 12, you know what I'm going to quote. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. They didn't love their lives even to death. This tells us a couple of things. First of all, the blood of lamb. The blood of the lamb means there was death. Blood was shed so that those accusations would be defeated. All right? Now, here's the other thing. With his accusations, he comes at us, but all we can do is stand in right relationship as righteous before God because Jesus says we are. Now, many of us, uh, many of us fall temptation to accusations and give in to them because we don't see ourselves as right with God. We don't see what he sees in us. We don't see that he's cleaned us up. And listen, I wish I could tell you I never failed, but my wife would so tell you that's not true. And I want you to understand we all mess up. But let me tell you this. Oh, God, thank you that you are so faithful, faithful and just to forgive me and not condemn me when I fall. All right, so here's what I say. They overcame by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony. The testimony, here's a thought on this. The testimony, actually, when you speak of what God has done in your life, you actually defeat the lies the enemy comes with. So you see, you're not just saying, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar. All you do is take what God has done and speak of the good things God has done, and that defeats, I said defeats, the lies of the devil. That's why you ought to tell your kids all about what Jesus has done. In your house, in your car, at work, wherever you are. Thanks be to God, 1 Corinthians 15 says, who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to say to you. The grace of God comes to startle and mess up religion. And that's exactly what he did in this situation. He just messed up their religion. They came thinking they're going to catch Jesus. They came thinking they're doing right. And they met face to face with the grace of God. 
Well, I'd turn and walk away too if I'm in their shape. But he turned, they turn and walk away. Here's what I'm telling you. When you're in the presence of Jesus, he sees you. He wants you to see him. And here's how I'll close. As you see him, you will begin to see what he sees. You will begin to see what he sees. I want to pray with you. I'm going to add, if you have a Bible, I'd like for you to turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. This isn't a whole new message. This is just my last little thought on this because I, I, I am still, I admit, I am still doing some study on this right here, but I just felt like I need to tag it on to the end if that's okay. Because the scripture says in Revelation, you know, the letters are written to the churches. Well, there's a letter that's written to Pergamos, the church at Pergamos. In your Bible, as in mine, there's probably a heading that says they're called the compromising church. In that, it says, listen, you've done a lot of good things. Whenever Artipas, one of them, one of the guys, or Antipas, excuse me, one of my followers, Antipas, was standing up for the gospel, the Bible says, even on Satan's turf, he was standing up for the gospel, and they murdered him for it. He was a martyr. But then he says this. It comes to this verse right here, and it says, but I have some things against you. And he talks about the Nicolaitans and how you're allowing Balaam, Baal worship, all kinds of stuff coming in. In other words, I need you to get focused on me. You're allowing all kinds of stuff to get your focus, and you're allowing worship. It's ungodly things in your midst. And because that, I got something against you. You're not pleasing to me. You're, you're, you're compromising the message of the gospel. Man, it's an indictment, really. Y'all, we really have to stop there and say, are any of us doing the same thing? As churches, we have to ask that question. Is our focus really him? Are we allowing everything else that looks religious to come in? Are we really focusing on him? But then we get to this verse, and I want to close with this. He hath an ear. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcometh, I'm going to give, I'm going to give to eat the hidden manna. One says everlasting manna. In other words, I'm going to feed you and it will never run out. And I will give him a white stone. And in that stone will be a written, a new name written, which no man knoweth except. Now this is King James, so I'm saying all the S's, okay? The extra stuff. But no man knows, save or except, the person who receives it. Here's how I want to close today. In this time, when this was written, at the conclusion of any trial, everybody's anxiously awaiting the verdict. And they're going to come out, and those who say he's guilty, they're going to take a black stone, and they're going to put it in a jar. Those who say he's not guilty... They're going to take a white stone, and they're going to put it in a jar. Now, that's good in itself. That's good news, isn't it? So what he's saying is, I'm going to take your name. I have a special name just for you, and I'm going to write it on a white stone. That is saying, come on, you got to see this. That is saying, you are no longer guilty. You are clean. This is him talking. This is Jesus talking. I see you clean, and I'm going to write your name on a white stone. And he says that name is going to be so precious. Only you know that name. 
I tell you, you have his undivided attention. Does he have your undivided attention? Because the end result is that you're going to have a stone with your name written on it. It may not be Thomas, may not be Lori, may not be David, but it may be not condemned. It could be clean. I don't know what your name is. It did, the scriptures didn't say that I will know your name unless you share it with me. It says in our walk with God, I saw in this such a focus of God on the people of God, each individual one, to say, you have my undivided attention, and I'm so pleased to call you mine. I'm going to give you a name that only you know. Now, here's why I say that and why I share that with you to close with this. This woman was no longer condemned. I don't know. I don't know all about her except what I read. She's no longer condemned, but she walked away from that place realizing she had the total attention of Jesus. And therefore, it would cause her to say, I know what shame feels like. Now I know what freedom feels like. Stand with me, will you? Come on, stand with me. I know what shame feels like. I'm going to ask the question this morning. Who in this, in this room, you know what shame feels like? You know what uncleanness feels like? But you've lost sight of the fact. You've lost sight of the fact. That's how you see yourself. There are still ways the accuser comes and he makes you to see yourself as less than. I'm telling you, you got to see the same thing Jesus sees. He sees you clean. Bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that in this place, you would help us to focus in now and help us to search our own hearts. How many of you in this room, keep your eyes closed, how many of you in this room would say, I'm going to be honest with you and raise my hand? And I'm going to say to you, I have been dealing with absolute anxiety because I'm being reminded of things that I've done in my past. I'm dealing with accusations right now. I'm in maybe in a relationship that's broken. It's a mess. And all I can hear is what that person is saying about me. I can't even see myself as whole anymore. I feel I've walked away. And I want you to raise your hand if that's you right now. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Hands going up around the place. Now listen. I'm going to invite everybody that will. Everybody that will. I'm going to ask you to come forward. Come on right now. Please come forward. You're not doing this for me. Come forward. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to come before him. Regardless of what your situation is. We're all going to be this woman. And we're going to come Maybe there's something shameful. I don't know. But I'm going to come and I'm going to stand before the Lord. And that's what you're going to do. So come. Any others? Just come. There were more hands than that. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm going to come and I'm going to stand before the Lord. I'm going to stand before the Lord. And I want you to see your All of you that are down here, look at me, please. I don't know what you're down here for. But I want you just to imagine... You haven't done anything compared to what we just read about. But I want you to see yourself at whatever state you're in right now. The reason you're standing there. 
I want you to see that though you may be being accused, you may be dealing with anxiety over certain things that are coming your way, God doesn't see you that way. God doesn't see you that way. There is absolutely no condemnation whatsoever. Tommy, you don't know my past. No, I don't know your past, but I've read about your future. You don't know my past either. How can a man like me sing praises to God who had such a filthy mouth? I've questioned that many times. I'm not talking about my sin. I don't want to get into all that. Thank God it's behind me. I had a terrible mouth. How could that mouth praise him now? I tell you, the precious blood of Jesus washed me. And he helped me to see he didn't condemn me even though I was wrong. Even though I was shameful. Even though I was dirty. Even though I was messed up. He didn't condemn me. He loved me. Always remember, you have, come on, keep looking at me. You have his undivided attention. So from this point on, whatever goes on, whatever happens to you this week, whatever pressures come, whatever challenges come, you have his undivided attention. You just have to make it. What is your name? Cindy, you have to make your mind. Does he have your undivided attention? See, this is called a relationship. Now, I adore my wife, but I have relationship because sometimes I look in her eyes. Sometimes we say sweet things to one another, right? There's a closeness between us that's developed over all these years of being together. And I don't want to live this life without her because we're one. Well, let me tell you something. You don't have to live this life on your own as if Jesus walked away. I want you to remember something. Jesus was the one who stayed. Why? Because he's the one who didn't know sin. And he was not going to condemn her. He stayed because he wanted her to be free. She had his undivided attention. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, only you can satisfy the crying hearts of the people that are standing before me. Only you. Only you can do that. I can't fix them. I can't heal them. I can't set them free. But Father, you, Jesus, you will not condemn any person standing before me. And I want you now, come on, the rest of you stretch your hands this way for these that are praying. Those standing down here, look at me, please. I'm doing this because I want you to see in my eyes. I want to look you eyeball to eyeball and tell you, do you accept his forgiveness? Say yes or no. You accept it? You accept it? What's your name? Valerie, do you accept his forgiveness? Doesn't matter what's happened, right? Do you accept his forgiveness? Yes? Yes, do you? What's your name? Who? Cassidy, do you accept his forgiveness? What's your name? Rhonda, yes. Amen, do you? What's your name? Brenda. Oh, you're so sweet. I can tell you're sweet. Do you accept his forgiveness? Do you accept his cleansing? Oh, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to lay down at night knowing you're clean? Oh, you're washed. You're made new. 
just to be new, just to be fresh. God, thank you for your cleansing, cleansing, cleansing blood, Jesus. Thank you that we overcome the accuser by that blood. And Lord, because, and here's what I give, and I, Pastor David, you can come. I give you this and leave you with this. The reason you can claim victory today is not because of anything you've done. But you can claim victory because of what he did. You get to celebrate his victory. Now I ask you, Mount Olive, Evangel Mount Olive, how many of you are glad for the victory of the Lord Jesus? Come on. I want you to celebrate it. Celebrate it. I don't hear you. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Praise God. Glory. We receive that word, amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hey, listen, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for just the openness to worship and to really press in. And I know God's got so much for us this evening. If you can make it back at 6, we're looking forward to the afternoon.